Hello. Hi. Can, can you hear me all right? Yeah, I can hear you. Awesome. Hold on one sec. Hey. Okay, cool. Nice to meet you. I mean, thanks for taking the time to do this. I, I've been like following along for a couple weeks now. So it's been like interesting to see your growth on Twitter and all the projects you've been doing. So where, where are you based? Actually? In Germany. I'm in Germany. Germany. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, which city? Karlsruhe. It's a okay. small town. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> I went, yeah, I, I visited Berlin and Munich only for like a couple weeks though. So it was, it was a fun trip though, but what's it called? So I think, so I had, I wrote down a bunch of questions that I was like interested in asking you. And I was also interested in seeing how you got discovered by Sean Puri, because that's how I initially discovered you was through his recommendation. So was that like, do you know how he even found out about what you were doing? <laughs> I have to disappoint you. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, no, that's, that's not exactly true. So I wrote him DMs because my first product was based on an idea from the My First Million podcast. And he replied quickly, so uh, nothing deep, but he took notice. But uh, more importantly, I think, is that Sean Shampuri saw Gumspy on Product Hunt and then oh. noticed this little badge that you also have on your website, right? In the lower right corner where it says yeah. buy. And then he discovered my stuff and talked about it on the podcast. So Okay. 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 Cool. Yeah. And so I was also wondering how you got started. So I'm also like, I'm interested in hearing about your background and what you were doing before this. Like, I know that because you're doing this, at least when you started this, you didn't necessarily have the expectation of making a lot of money. So did you have like a lot of built up savings or, or yeah, could you just talk about like your background a bit? Yeah, so I'm I'm not rich or anything, but I saved a little bit of money from my previous job, which wasn't a job. I was doing my PhD. So okay. this is how I'm yeah, paying my expenses. It's okay. it's from my savings, but I'm leaving like frugally. I don't need much money. So it's it's not that hard. Okay, okay. And so what was your PhD and what did you study? Physics. Physics? Okay. Yeah. And so when you started this, you didn't know how to code at all. Like you jumped into it. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. So it's always like this. So when are you able to say that you are able to code, right? So I I worked with Mathematica before. Is that coding? I don't know. I don't think so, right? So I and I probably wrote some Python script during the uh, physics program, but yeah. Nothing, nothing deep. And I, I, I wouldn't say that I was able to program, but yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's really a matter of definition, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I'd say like when you're confidently able to build a project of your own, then I guess that would be like a good qualification of knowing how to code, but okay, that makes sense. And then, yeah, so like I, I also taught myself to code and I built an app. So, but I, I think your approach to doing this is really interesting because you're, doing it a lot more methodically and you're also simultaneously being like building an audience and also like being able to monetize this audience which is like so this this whole concept of the bootstrap mba was really interesting and appealing to me and so now i'm trying to think of how 
like if I want to start my own version of it versus join a startup and learn how to become like an operator. So did you ever have this like dilemma or did you always like, like, you know, that you want to like just completely learn on your own? Cause I, yeah. 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 I definitely spent a long time evaluating my options. And so I know pretty well how I learn, how I operate because I spent so much time doing nothing else. Right. That's what I did at university and as my, during my PhD. So, but I still, I looked at different options, like getting a regular job at some consulting firm, whatever programming, what, what you're supposed to do with a physics um, degree. Right. And yeah, these boot camps and structured programs never occurred to me as a real alternative, to be honest, it's because I'm very, very strongly convinced that independent learning is the most effective yeah. way to learn because the perfect example is of course university programs where you have some professor who learned the stuff decades ago and he gives a lecture where he just reads stuff from a book and the tempo is always wrong right either it's much too fast and you don't understand anything or you are bored because it's too slow because yeah, it's, it's of course not the professor's fault, but that's just how it works, right? There are hundreds of people in the lecture hall, or even if it's just a dozen or whatever, right? What are the odds that he will move at exactly the right pace and and talk about the stuff that's relevant for you, given your personal background, right? Yeah. So it's it's close to zero. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's such an incredible, ineffective way. And in contrast, if you're learning on your own, you, yeah, you can move much quicker, more effectively, just consume the stuff you're really interested in. And the second thing really is that I'm, I, believe, I believe in doing the real thing and not doing these kind of toy exercises. So this is another thing I feel very, very strongly about because at universities, like millions of people all around the world, also at schools, everyone is forced to do these nonsensical stuff that has no real value right yeah. you you get in physics it's it's yeah where i'm coming from the examples are you get these homework problems right and this is what you spend most of your time doing it's just calculations but they have nothing to do with what a what a real researcher in physics really does right because yeah. research in physics is about discovering previously unknown truths about nature right and what you're getting is here is some formula calculate x, x y z so it's it's super strange and has nothing to do with what you really need as a researcher it's more like a boot camp for becoming obedient becoming whatever right so if you want to <laughs> take, yeah. take it yeah, that far I, I, I totally agree i've had like a very similar experience i think it's interesting because you come from a background of getting a phd so like like in my mind I've also hated the education system like with a passion and it's something that like I gen like that is a company I would want to work on founding which is something that reforms education because I think part of the issue is that it relies heavily on extrinsic motivation which are like the grades and homework and I think the best way to learn is by doing it yourself or some in some form or, or another cultivating some like some form of intrinsic motivation because that's that's the way that you'll learn the fastest because you start to develop your own 
pace and cadence to learn. So that's like, that was the main benefit of me teaching myself because I was like completely motivated to do it because I wanted to build an app for myself. And so I totally agree with that. But like, I'm also interested in like why you decided to pursue a PhD then given your thoughts on education. Yeah, that's, that's a funny story because I probably wouldn't have done a PhD if I had done a normal PhD. So first of all, the system is different here in Germany compared to the US. And here in Germany, you actually get paid to do your PhD. So you don't have to do something in addition, but you actually get paid for your PhD, right? Okay. It's, it's, it works a little, it's, it's, right, it's, it's like a job. You're like a re researcher and you have some research teaching obligations, but it's minimal and you're like having your contract, 10% of your time is teaching, whatever. And the rest of your time you can dedicate to yeah, research. So this is the first thing, but um, the more, more important part is that my professor gave me all the freedom in the world. So most, most PhD students are micromanaged by their professors, by their um, postdocs, right? By their, by their bosses. And if, if I had a position like this, I certainly wouldn't have done it, but I was very fortunate to have a professor who gave me all the freedom in the world and to yeah, explore stuff really on my own pace and go as deep as I want in various directions. And it was, it was perfect. So <laughs> absolutely okay. um, yeah. perfect. But I, I am definitely not someone who will recommend doing a PhD because this is not the normal experience. The normal experience in the given academic system is a very different one. So because yeah. you have to churn out papers and <laughs> the usual story yeah you basically got paid to learn which is actually really nice exactly and, yeah exactly. okay and you base and you got to like design or like research whatever interested you so I guess it was like the it was like a, a pre-version of the bootstrap MBA I guess yeah um, okay that's cool and so okay so going back on to the like the bootstrap MBA on like designing the curriculum how long did it take you between like coming up with the idea of this whole project and like creating the curriculum versus like starting and acting? Like how long did it take you to design your curriculum and reading list? Yeah, good, good question. But probably two days or so. Oh, okay. <laughs> because, so it's like really fast. Okay. Yeah, because I, I knew in advance that I, and that the curriculum itself is not important, right? It's yeah. the most important part is getting started and thinking about the process as a whole but I I was 100% sure that I won't stick to my reading list because this is not how it works and it's a horrible idea to plan one year in advance what you're going to read what you're going to learn and the yeah. whole point of doing it independently is that you precisely don't have to stick to some curriculum but you can really do whatever you think makes sense at the at this moment right now so and okay. even like like the first choice I made made zero sense in retrospective. So, yeah, I started learning Ruby on Rails and yeah. didn't use it since then for anything. So it was a classic uh, mistake of so, in case uh, learning. Yeah. What, what language are you using now? Python. Python? Okay. For, yeah. for like, okay, okay, okay. And then, so I also recently saw a tweet of yours saying that 
it's like this whole project has been too easy. And so you're trying to increase the difficulty. So how are you thinking about this and how are you going to approach improving the difficulty? Like, I know you said you're going to go back to one project and focus on that, but I forgot like which project and. Oh, no, 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 no. I won't go back to one project, uh, but I will definitely, I I try to increase the difficulty for myself and, Maybe not the difficulty, but the chance of failing. And I will do, yeah, more riskier stuff or stupider stuff, whatever, <laughs> whatever you so want to you, call it. But like, yeah. do you have like ideas on, on some of those like risks you want to take or like how? Yeah, you I like like a perfect example is what I'm going to do with my Bootstrap MBA page and also my personal blog because like I have these two areas I'm thinking about. Though on the one hand, I have my projects like product explorer comes by newsletters by and on the other hand i have like my personal branding stuff i have my um, personal blog i have the bootstrap mba page i have a podcast and yeah well i recently wrote this post on my blog which is titled what's the point of free if you have nothing to sell and it's it's yeah, a bit polemic against this whole plan that a lot of people follow away of just giving stuff away for free for months. And then eventually you're hoping to convert some of these people you attracted into paying subscribers or whatever you're offering. And I personally don't think that this is a great idea because I luckily started really early with a paid product and yeah, learned a lot that this makes a lot of sense and I want to apply it to other areas. So while I wrote this, because I always think by writing, right, it works like this. And I really convinced myself that I should do more in that direction. So I'll try to yeah, do turn my blog and bootstrap MBA page into a paid publication. And the reason I want to do this is, of course, I will not do the same thing and just charge money for it. That would be super stupid. But like, I really believe in the whole built in public thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's It's amazing. And it's so helpful and powerful to see how other people at your level or maybe one step beyond are operating it's really helpful to get this behind the scenes look and yeah this is this is why i'm doing it after all right thanks to the internet i was able to see that there are people out there who are just doing it without like getting a business degree or working at a company for 40 years to learn how business works because before you're allowed to be an entrepreneur right? It doesn't work that way. You don't need any of that stuff. You can just start. So, and I want to like take the whole building in public to another level, like sharing much, much more than I previously do and than I previously did. And at the, at the, other, at the same time, I only want to do it with people who know the proper context, right? So it's always a very fine, fine balance between sharing and holding back. And I, really want to try not self-censoring myself. And yeah, the the way, the the strategy I came up with is that I will like introduce a paywall and then share much, much more behind it. So <laughs> no idea how this experiment will go, but it's one of the, yeah, what I would call risky stuff. So maybe people will, will hate me for it. So <laughs> whatever, yeah. that it's against the ethics of building in public or whatever. So no idea, but this is definitely one of the experiments I will do. Yeah, I recently just checked like your site and you switched over to Ghost for it, right? So like I just found that out 
that out but so have you advertised this at all yet no it's not it's not like launched or anything okay, so okay. I, okay. <laughs> it should be functional but i i'm still working on a few details okay. like deciding what to share and yeah but I, i'm like the way i operate is i'm thinking if i were on the other side i would love to 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 um, become a subscriber right so I'm pretty sure that others will do, but I have no idea. And yeah, we'll yeah see. I think that is interesting because, like, at, at one side, you're like, when once you introduce the paywall, at least for like content specific things, then it's harder to grow as fast. But at the same time, if you're just doing it free, then you're not monetizing at all. And so I think that one of the benefits that you mentioned is like being more intimate and being able to share more details like i think one interesting thing would be like revenue with all these products even the bootstrap mba like yeah seeing like seeing how much revenue each product made and like which one did best would be really interesting so yeah i'm like i'm interested to see how this experiment goes because i don't know how to, it'll turn out because like i guess like you can use twitter as your platform for growth since it's not necessarily behind a paywall and then use that to convert but yeah, I'm not sure. So like, how much are you like going to hide behind the paywall versus like keep as free? Like, as well. Yeah, I didn't hear that though. Your internet connection oh, was a bit spotty. I, I okay. I, I was basically like wondering like, like what you're going to hide behind a paywall versus not since you have a podcast and blog. Yeah, definitely. And to be honest, I haven't figured it out. So I will figure it out along the way. I will decide spontaneously, but yeah, the more personal private stuff will go behind the paywall and other stuff. So of course I, I won't move anything I've published so far behind the paywall. So everything I've published so far will stay the way it is. But I, I thought about it for like several weeks now, and I think there is enough cool stuff I can share like behind the paywall to, to provide enough value to justify the price and like with the other projects there is not really much i, I will lose so <laughs> if no one signs up whatever i i, I honestly don't care um that yeah. much because i'm not investing um a lot in it but if a few people sign up i will be able to do a lot of other cool stuff because i'm honestly not trying to earn any money with it that's not the point it's really like yeah creating a truly private space where i can share oh as open as i would like and like to your to your point that you can't grow as quickly with paid content versus free content i'm not entirely convinced that this is the case because as you know everyone is like doing the free content stuff so it's i think a strategy to stick out from the crowd because um, it makes people curious so if you're charging money there, the perception simply changes. It's not just another blog post. It's paid premium content, whatever. And at least for me, this is true. If I subscribe to a paid publication, um, which I recently did to a few as experiments, I will really read through all the posts because I paid for them. Whereas in a normal blog, I, I don't do it, right? So it's a change in perception. You start to value it more and... Yeah, I want to experiment with it. And honestly, I also, I just wrote this, the about page yesterday on, on, the, on what will become the paywall page. 
And there I yeah, laid out the, the reasons that, of course, if you want to play the free content game, whatever, you need to attract lots of people. Then you need to play the SEO game, the social media game. You need to do clickbait, whatever, or um, search engine optimization. And I simply decided for myself that this is, these aren't games I want to play, right? Yeah. And of course, you, you can... Sorry, you're hearing my telephone right now. But <laughs> oh, yeah, no worries. Of course, you can argue that you can do search on engine optimized content and do awesome stuff at the same time, right? Of course it's possible, but it's a matter of incentives. So if you're like focusing on lots, getting lots of subscribe, lots of visitors, either via social or via search engines, then you have to operate in a certain way. And it's not necessarily aligned with what your readers really need. And the example I use is, yeah, the famous example I use is recipe sites, right? Everyone, everyone knows what people are looking for when you're Googling for a recipe, right? You just want a list with the ingredients and then the steps. Do this and maybe a nice picture. But what, what are you finding if you're Googling for some recipe? You get this long wall of text with the, this, the whole backstory, dozens of images. And at the very bottom, you find, yeah, the recipe that you're really looking for. And the reason for this is that on the one hand, you need lots of words on your page to rank in Google at all. And the second reason is that the time people spend on your site is an important ranking factor. So of course, if everyone who visits your site has to scroll down, 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 they will stay like 10 seconds on your page. And this is great for your rankings. This is why everyone is doing it, even though it's not what your readers want. And yeah. of course, like it's not a black and white issue. And this is just a, like the the bad end of the spectrum, but you will always be tempted to move in that direction. So you will do like look into the search results, um, into analytics, what are people Googling for, and then writing posts just for to target certain keywords, right? You're, you're starting to operate for to serve the search engines and not your readers. And it's the same with social media, of course. So, and the cool thing about paid publication is like, I'm honestly would be perfectly happy is just a few people sign up, right? That's all I need to be perfectly happy. And it's like, I don't need lots of visitors. I don't, I don't want to be famous or whatever. That's not my goal. But I think it's super cool to see people taking um, what you're putting out and applying it. So, and I'm, I've really started um, to see this recently and I would love to, yeah, see more of it that people really read my stuff and apply, copy it and build cool stuff themselves. So that's the, that's the hope. If you people who are really dedicated sign up and it will be cheap and I will be giving like free signups to everyone who asks. So it's not the point to keep anyone out who can't afford it or whatever, right? It's just um, about, yeah, creating this private space I can use in whatever way I like. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, I, I think this approach will be interesting. Like, I think you can create like some sort of like I'm not sure if you've already thought about the platform, like maybe a Slack group or something where it's just like an easy way to foster discussion between everybody. But yeah, I think it is interesting. Like, like I'm still thinking about the growth aspect because at least like, I know it's not something you necessarily care about as much, but at least like the way I'm thinking about is that when you're building an audience of sorts, it usually takes time for people to like start to develop an attachment to the people that they really admire, I guess. And so 
like when you stumble across a paid content, I think it's a lot harder to instantly convert versus like getting to know you over time. And so I guess that's also why Twitter would is like still a great platform for you is because that's where a lot of people get exposure to what you're doing. And then from there, they can, if they want more of it, then they can enter that paid community as well. So yeah, that's definitely interesting. I w- so I'm also curious about your revenue. I'm not sure if you're like comfortable talking about it at all, but like, it's just like, like I'm, I'm interested to see like which product has done best and like, yeah. I'm, yeah, if you're not comfortable talking about it, that's totally okay though. No, I'm perfectly comfortable doing it. So they, the truth is that I don't really know the numbers. I have to look them up, but I can quickly like pull them them up because yeah. I'm not a big numbers guy. So yeah. sounds sounds strange because I <laughs> um, stared at numbers the pre- all 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 the previous years, and but like in in this personal aspect, I really don't care about it and don't think it's a good way to to target it. So products here. Luckily, I have everything in Gumroad. And the product that did best is, of course, Product Explorer, simply because it's the most expensive one. So (laughs) charging a high price really works. And also, it, it, it got the most attention. And okay. it, yeah, okay, I'm not quite sure. So I got a huge boost because Andrew Wilkinson retweeted it. So this really helped because it's based on an idea by him, right? Uh-huh. And, but okay. like, okay. like, I'm trying to think. like Gumspy, I got a shout out on the My First Million podcast, right? Yeah. And I'm not sure how many listeners they have. But it's like, yeah, it got it got a very strong endorsement on the My First Million podcast, which, yeah, <laughs> should have a huge effect, but it didn't have that much of. Of course, it helped. Like it, I I, I sold for a few subscriptions this way, but I made in total less than one thousand dollar from Gumspy. Right, okay. <laughs> which which is not what you would expect from the outside, right? Yeah, yeah. I think maybe it might have been like that they didn't link to the product, so a lot more people would have to like that, like increase the hurdle to get to your site, maybe. Versus Andrew, who like tweeted it out, which is very easy to click through. But that's interesting. So- yeah, it was Andrew. It was also very indirect because I only posted a tweet by him. And I didn't even include the link to Product Explorer. I just wrote uh, Product Explorer. So really the name, not the link, was inspired by this comment by Andrew Wilkinson and then his comment. So, and this is what he retweeted. <laughs> it was, people really had to search for it. Not very okay. smart from, from, my, from yeah. my perspective, but it, it worked much better. And of course, now I'm not sure, is it the audience Andrew has? Is it the medium? Is it Twitter? Whatever. Yeah. Okay. And so, so if that was your best selling product, then was that like, I know what to tweet was like also did well on product hunt. So which one has been your most popular, like just a number of like visits or like, I don't know if you have to look that up too, or like, like who, like which product has been used the most, I guess. Yeah. So I have no idea. Because okay. <laughs> I don't track visitor numbers anywhere. I simply, I simply 
don't install any type of analytics. But like, okay, maybe maybe that might not be the best metric, but at least like, okay, so a different way to phrase it is like, which one did best on product hunt? What to tweet, definitely, yeah. Okay. It has almost 1,000 upwards by now. Oh, okay, wow. And so, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm looking at like all the different projects right now and I'm just trying to think of like, like, has it been like increase, like with each product that you've launched, has there been an increasing number of upvotes on Product Hunt? And do you think that's partly due to your audience growing as well or? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think it, 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 it has become a lot easier, right? It's, I saw this at the beginning, like others were doing it and now it's working for me that whenever I'm putting, putting something out there, I will get like a hundred upwards, whatever, right? I, I'm pretty sure. But you can see like Gumspy only got 150 upwards. So <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not that. Yeah. Okay. And okay, <coughs> that's, yeah, that's, yeah, I guess that, that makes a lot of sense. Like it's easier to launch once you have a pre-existing audience built. So you just have to keep building products. So like, what are, from this journey, how many months has it been so far since you started this? Six, I think, yeah. Six. Okay. So what are like some of the costs versus benefits that you didn't predict when starting this? Have there been any like surprising like pros versus cons or any cons at all? <laughs> yeah, this is exactly why I think, why I thought I have to increase the difficulty, the making, do more risk because I honestly can't think of anything that could have went better or I should have done differently. I, I really don't know if there were any, any cons. Well, like, so when you're evaluating like the potential cons, I guess that's, that might be like result driven, but like, like, have you found it to be like, have you found that you've been able to like maintain interest and enthusiasm while doing this? Have there been any personal dips or has it like been like maintained? Yeah, it, it was never an issue because every day I decide spontaneously what I want to do and then I do it. So <laughs> there is no, never a motivation issue because I simply don't okay. do things I don't want to do. Don't want to do. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And so, okay. Then another thing that like something that I've noticed that I struggle with is like focus, which is like, there's always like that shiny new object. And so there's always something else that I want to be doing. And I think that having a lack of focus really prevents you from being as effective as possible. Have you struggled, struggled with that? Or like, how, how do you balance between like doing whatever you want to do that day versus maintaining focus on a specific project for a certain amount of time? Yeah, that's, that's of course the toughest issue of all because a great analogy is like with reading books. And on the one hand, it's true that you shouldn't read books you don't enjoy. So if you're bored by a book, immediately put it away. So it's stupid to read books you don't enjoy. And I try to do the same with my projects so not to work on, work on projects where I don't enjoy working on them. But on the other hand, you can't just switch around all the time, like only read the first page in a thousand books because yeah, yeah. You, you will never get any where and 
but <laughs> I, I don't think if there's a real, really a process you can follow For me, it's just like the gut feeling that I'm enthusiastic enough and I feel like I should do it and then I do it. So, it, and again, exactly the same with books. So if it's a great book, I will just continue reading it and I don't have to force myself to read it, right? And it's the same with my projects. And of course, I'm like personal productivity is something everyone still tries to figure out. And it's such a great market to be in if you're building products because it's like with parenting because everyone is insecure. <laughs> so yeah. if you're like um, selling the new shiny uh, baby toy, it's easy to sell it. And the same is with productivity. So like these new kind of systems always do well because people are, yeah, <laughs> no one no one knows what they are doing. And of course, I, I don't know either, but I feel like trusting your gut and being enthusiastic and yeah, just, just doing what you want to do works well. So, yeah. and I, I, I really see this a lot with, with people who are struggling, especially on indie hackers or whatever, where they, where they focus for months or even years on some project and not getting anywhere. And yeah, it's, <laughs> it's really strange to see. And I think it's, it doesn't make sense. And if you're not like feeling you're riding a wave, then you should switch because I don't think that it should be hard. And of course it can work. Like there are these stories of people who pushed through years of seeing zero traction and then finally they start. But yeah, honestly, especially if you're just starting out, I, I don't think this is the way to go. You should, you should try to find something that other people are as excited about as you are because everything is so much easier when you're really getting some traction. It's, it really yeah. helps, helps to stay motivated. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I think it's like the best way is to like, I guess, test out or build some sort of MVP and test out the demand. I think, yeah, I think for me, it's been helpful to have somebody to call me out when I'm getting too distracted. But like mine isn't necessarily like for building projects. It's more about like, like what I should be focusing on in general, which is like, again, like, since I'm like right now I'm still like a college student but my goal right now is to like become financially independent in some way or another so that I can like drop out because I don't feel like I'm learning much at all and so I think part of that is like I want to get it like work at a startup or build companies or an audience or whatever and so figuring out what to focus on is like I just keep I think I keep switching too often and so I've, but I've had like a good friend who's been able to like continuously, like, I guess like he's so, somewhat of a mentor too. So he gives me advice and also just tells me like, you're switching up too much. So like just focus. And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely like a, a balance between focusing on one thing too long. Cause like for the app that I built, I also spent eight months building it, but it was also for, I was doing it part-time, but it was also like for my own need and pretty easy build it uh, and maintain that motivation because it was for me and so yeah I think yeah that balance is definitely hard to find but that is that is interesting yeah and so what what has been your favorite project so far to work on just like in general maybe like it served one of your immediate needs or was just like an interesting problem to solve do you have one that comes to mind <laughs> yeah so definitely I love what to tweet because it's something I used myself for a long time. And I 
really love the approach I used to build it and because I, I honestly struggled for a while with like the infrastructure issue, how to build something like this without overcomplicating things. And it's surprisingly hard to find easy solutions for simple projects or simple solutions for simple projects. Most of the stuff you, you find is, is targeted for super complicated use cases, which is, yeah, if, you're just, if you just want to build something simple, it's like a complete overkill. And yeah, so I was really happy when I figured out that it can just do like Airtable and put in some cool stuff there and it get, gets shown on the front end super easy, hosted uh, statically. And at the same time, so I like the tech and I like the outcome because I think even though it's so simple, it's really useful because as we talked about, having an audience is helpful and Twitter is an amazing platform. But yeah, like six months ago, I didn't know how to use Twitter. Honestly, it sounds stupid, but it's something you have to learn or at least some people like me have to learn. And it's not like a natural form of communication. So what I did is I made a list of people that are in the same space, like indie hackers, entrepreneurs who built a large audience. And then I analyzed their tweets, what did best for them, categorized them and tried to like get these prompts and emulate them. So, and of course not copying, right? This is not what it's about. It's not about, yeah. Uh, yeah. stealing stuff but it's really just um, what's the essence here and how can i apply it to my own stuff and for example one thing that's always doing spectacularly well is sharing numbers like if john yon fook shares that he's now at 100k annual revenue like it's 100 sure that he will get at least 100 likes and yeah 100 new followers so This is just one example of content that always does well. And yeah, it's a language I had to learn. And this little tool really helped me. Yeah. And okay, so you, I actually didn't know how you like built it out. So you use Airtable as a like API. And then, so you basically don't have to deal with backend at all, just the front end. Okay. And then, so when you're like actually populating the database, was this all like manual work though? Like, when you did the analyzing, okay, and then... Oh, no, 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 no. The analyzing was, of course, done with Python. <laughs> so I, I pulled the tweets and then um, ranked them by a number of votes. But the at least the labeling I did okay. manually because this is where I learned, of course, everything. And then, like, yeah. how many prompts did you have for the Airtable? Like, how many records did you have that keep uh, cycling through for the, yeah, the Twitter, what to tweet? Uh, 50, I think, yeah. At the 50? Moment. Okay. 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 And so as you like get more ideas, you can just keep populating that, I guess. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I haven't played around with Airtable too much. Like I've done it for like an email feedback form, but not as a backend API. Was that like, I guess it is pretty easy to learn just querying that. So, okay. Yeah. The documentation is awesome and it's very easy to like, you can use it directly in the front end. You don't even, from a static page, you don't even need to use some JavaScript framework like Vue or React or whatever. You can really just use a static page with Tailwind and when a light JavaScript, yeah. Okay, so have you you used React at all before? No. 
only view. Okay. Okay, okay. So yeah, I, I've used, or that's what I mainly code in is React. So, I mean, I think I can still obviously use it, but but yeah, it's interesting. So is there a reason you like, uh, you don't use Vue much anymore, right? That was just like, oh, I, I think it cut off, sorry. So you don't use Vue anymore. You mainly stick to Python, right? Yeah, it, it's a, of course a matter of the use case and I'm using, I'm doing a lot of the data collection stuff and Python is just amazing when it yeah. comes to scraping the web, but also for doing simple manipulations or for doing little graphs or data analysis, some machine learning stuff. And it's, it, it really shines in these areas and, but I probably wouldn't use it for, yeah, building a website, right? So, <laughs> and I yeah. try to keep things as simple as possible. And like, I know how to build a view app, but it wouldn't make sense, at least for me to like build what to tweet as a view app, because it adds so much complexity to something so simple. So could be done, but yeah, <laughs> doesn't make yeah. sense from my perspective, if there's such a simple solution. And I think it's like, yeah, it's also interesting that you use like a similar framework for each website, because it just takes out like a lot of time or headache so that you can work on like the product itself. So I think that is also interesting. And then, so has there been any like extremely time consuming part of this whole process? Like, so I know like blogging, I'm assuming you genuinely enjoy to do podcasting, like, and then building the product. So like, at least on the content perspective, has there been any part that you don't necessarily um, enjoy as much? Or if not that, then has there been any part that has been more time consuming than you anticipated? Yeah, I mean, there are like, like for anyone, there are lots of things I don't enjoy on the content side, which is the boring stuff, like getting rid of the typos, <laughs> the, the, the little grammar errors and actually publishing it, uploading it, editing, editing the podcast episodes, adding the intro, cutting out the filler words, or when, I, when I'm talking nonsense, right? The, <laughs> the boring part. Yeah. So I don't enjoy this at all, doing this. And I, it's one of my goals this year to get rid of it. So I don't want to do it anymore and I want to get help. But so far I'm struggling with how to, how, how to handle it. Yeah. And like everyone just says, get a virtual assistant, hire someone, but it's not that easy. So there's lots of, yeah, I don't know how to formulate it, but lots of stuff you need to take into account and you can't just hire anyone. You need to do a lot of wedding to find the right kind of person that it actually works. And it's not, yeah, it's not, the quality doesn't drop. And especially when it comes to the podcast episode editing, like how do you hire someone who has the same taste as you, who actually finds the parts that are boring and cuts them out, right? It's yeah. It, you can't just hire anyone to do this. You need to find someone awesome who's really able to do that. And of course, if you're able to pay enough money, that's a no-brainer. But um, <laughs> that's that that it. It probably is much easier if you can pay like top dollar. But yeah, as I said, I haven't figured it out. But I will figure it out like in the next weeks because I have so many podcast episodes recorded that I haven't published because I. 
didn't do the editing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's unfortunate uh, and that's um, funny. <laughs> it okay, it shouldn't yeah. be that way, but it's just like I said, I like to work on stuff I enjoy and I don't enjoy it. And let's see. <laughs> okay, yeah, that makes sense. And so, yeah, I think it also takes time to not only vet but also train them. And so maybe finding the right person isn't necessarily going to be like you find the perfect person immediately, but finding someone who you can train. So I guess that itself takes a lot of time. And even if, and then maybe you don't even enjoy the training part. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how you figure that out. Yeah. I think, yeah. And so do you, do you plan on doing this for like, do you plan on extending it past 12 months or will you like hit that mark and then evaluate what to do after? Yeah. I, like I always say, I have no idea. <laughs> My okay. favorite sentence. Like I I set out with a goal to give it 12 months and see if I enjoy the process and feel like this is something I should be doing, right? And so far it looks very good. Like it's something I'm enjoying a lot, but also like other people value what I do enough to make it sustainable for myself. So I'm I'm very confident that if I stick to it for a while, I will be able to pay my living expenses without problems. And in fact, I'm currently able to do it already. Yeah. But yeah, it's it, I'm not earning a lot of money. It's just because I'm living frugally and it's not that sustainable, but I'm very confident. And my plan is to stick to it. Indifferently okay. so far. Yeah, I, I, I don't see any reason to quit or like getting a regular job or whatever. Yeah, that's like really good to hear just because it's like a, a, a successful experiment where you were able to find something that you genuinely enjoy doing. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think like as you continue growing, it's going to hit like that peak of inflection where it starts like growing exponentially and like I like I'm already impressed by like by the growth especially like with the product launches like seeing them consistently like rank really high is pretty impressive so yeah I think I think like I have no doubt that you'll be able to like continue this full-time forever but yeah I, I yeah I definitely think it's like super interesting I think I like I like the part about like building and learning in public and basically creating an audience where you take them on your journey so I know you mentioned that you didn't necessarily know how to use Twitter in the beginning. Were there any, like, I guess one, so one question is like, did you enjoy it when you started focusing on how to use it? And if not, did that enjoyment start to develop over time as you like got better at it? Or how did that process go? Oh yeah. It's like with anything, it, it's no fun when you start. Like the yeah. first time you go to the gym, it sucks. The first time you play soccer, it sucks. But if you stick to it for a while, it becomes amazing and you can't live without it. So, and it, it has been the same uh, with Twitter for me. So I really enjoy tweeting and I like don't have to force myself to go there and put stuff out. So okay. yeah, it really okay. worked, yeah. And, but like, okay, so I guess one thing is like, are you, are you introverted versus extroverted? I'm super introverted. I'm okay, the most same. introverted person. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I, I totally feel that. And so like, I think putting myself out there is 
difficult. So I, I guess it, it's just like something you have to get used to and practice over time. Okay, that's interesting. But then, okay, so one thing that I've realized over the past couple months is how important it is to build relationships. I've just like seen how useful it can be. And so I know like Twitter is one avenue where you can start to build relationships very quickly. So have you been able to force yourself out of that like introverted shell? Like I know you've talked about like having conversations with people and other entrepreneurs. And so how has that experience been, I guess, like, forcing yourself to get on calls and conversations like even this one like was that was that something you also had to learn and develop as a skill or yeah yeah definitely but to be honest though it's now the the thing I enjoy the most almost Mm -hmm. like it's so amazing and something I simply didn't experience in the world I was before like before I was in academia and academia works very different and yeah the what's what is it called the professors live in the Elfenbeinturm it's in German and like and there's a secret tower there very shielded and you get yeah, like five minutes to, yeah in a little bubble but it's really even if it's your professor like your supervisor you get you get you are really lucky to catch him like talking to him five minutes when he's on a lunch break oh. whatever so it's completely crazy. You, you don't really have any access to people. And like in this new world I'm now living in with entrepreneurs, like the most amazing people take the time to talk to a complete nobody like me. It's so amazing. And it's really, and yeah, I, I, I struggle to comprehend it, but this is just how it works. And I'm trying to do the same, like taking the time for anyone and help helping really anyone as much as I can. And it's, it's really cool to see. And I really, I have to um, say that I have had zero negative experiences so far. Really, I talked to <laughs> lots of people and everyone has been super cool. And it's really strange because I'm in the phase where I'm saying yes to anything. Like mm-hmm. every time I get a DM request from someone who says, Jacob, want to hop on a call? I say, yes, sure. And it's, it's something you, you shouldn't be doing, right? Everyone is saying you, should, you have to learn how to say no. And these people that just want to pick your brain are horrible. Keep them away, right? And of course, I think it happens once you reach the stage uh, where, it, where it's simply no longer possible and you have to put in like filled, strong filters. But I think especially at the beginnings, it's, yeah, I see no reason not to do it. And haven't been disappointed because there are lots of cool stuff coming out of, especially these kind of conversations. And you never know. (laughs) Yeah, that's actually very, like, I didn't realize how different academia was. I didn't, like, that's very interesting that, like, there's not, I guess, a sense of a mentorship where you can actually, like, learn directly. That is super interesting, (laughs) especially since it's academia where you're, like, supposed to be learning. Yeah. And, okay, yeah, that's, that's so weird, but... Yeah, I guess like this whole tech world, what I've noticed is like the tech world is very, very helpful for most people just because people are just so willing to help. And I've already had that experience as well, where I think it's also where you can provide initial value to somebody, then they're like extremely willing to help. And because of that, you just start to build like really strong relationships. But yeah, I think I definitely think like as since you're like still starting out, basically, it's it's easier because the people you attract are more 
suited towards liking exactly what you do versus as you start to grow, then it's a lot harder to discern whether they're doing it because they like you yeah. versus like the influence you have, I guess. So I guess that's where the the whole notion about like, I guess saying no to stuff comes from, but yeah, I definitely think that's like very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, But to be honest, when this happens, I will just create an alt account and start from zero again (laughs) just to experience it again because it's yeah as you said once as long as you're a nobody you can be certain that people are really just interested in your thoughts because this is what you put out on twitter and they generally want to talk to you and it's not like this fake networking strategies where people ask you questions they already know the answer to just so you feel like you're now invested in their like these weird hacks that people talk about and i and i hate but there's simply no reason to do it when you're talking to a nobody, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that's very, very true. Okay, cool. Well, those are all the questions I had. I'm really glad and thankful you took the time. So thanks. And I hope that I think if I have any more questions, I can just DM them to you. But yeah, I'm super excited to see how this continues to grow. So yeah, absolutely. And I know I don't know if you have noticed this, but I I uh, record all my conversations so. <laughs> oh, <laughs> because okay. this, I can send it to you, and I'm not sure whether I do anything with it. But like I said, I want to do like do more building in public kind of stuff, and also a part of it is that I want to record and um, publish like behind the scenes conversations I'm having. It's not like like traditional podcast pe- episodes where. Yeah, it's more like these behind the scenes conversations where people are expected to know the context and there's no introduction, whatever. It's just random talk. And yeah, as I said, I'm not I'm not sure where this experiment will go, but this is just one thing I've been thinking about that could that could be interesting. And yeah, would you would it be okay for you when I put this online though, in some form uh, yeah, or yeah. another? Yeah, okay. I think that I think that's fine. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's and, actually an interesting idea. Oh, go ahead though. Oh, no, I just wanted to say that when I really launch this paid wall, then I will, of course, send you like an invite and you will get free access because it's like if it's really strange when like a video of there of you is online and you can't see it because it's behind a paywall. So no worries. I will definitely thank you. send you an invite. And that was really fun. So I have to go now because I have another call in yeah, like two yeah. minutes. But I, yeah, it's a bit unfortunate because i wanted to talk about your project <laughs> yeah oh, n- yeah no didn't worries. get to that at all okay cool though that was yeah it was fun and i yeah we can always like call later on too as well or yeah so, like that, um, so. now i'm you you mentioned this app and is it already launched yeah yeah so it's launched but it's not like i guess since i'm not actively working on it anymore and so it's sort of, it's like it's not like working completely functionally i get like it works for me but i i can dm you the link to show it yeah to show it to you just to check it out but it's not necessarily like yeah it has about 100 users and stuff but other than that it's like yeah it's not something i'm actively working and maintaining i guess is what i should say but it was just like a really useful project to help me figure out how to learn skills faster just like be more methodical about how i approach skill acquisition so yeah. I enjoyed it. But yeah, now I guess I'm just like focused on applying to startups and trying to get an internship right now. But yeah. Okay. So I'll let you get on to your next call though. Okay. Um, awesome. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. Bye-bye.